Welcome to DT Madness, Chronicles from the Third Life, Episode 7, May 14th, 2022. So glad you could make it. Today's episode, with the title of Fish School Sandwich, so we'll see if we can make any sense of that. That's fish with a PH. Live music has been such a huge part of my life for all of the second life and now into the third life some too. Um, so for the past 25 years or so, I love all kinds of different music. I mean, whatever. Mandolin Orange, now called Watch Watch House. Um, James Taylor, Natalie Merchant, Tracy Chapman, Pat Metheny, um, Jimmy Buffett, whatever. I've been to a whole bunch of different concerts. I think Alabama was my first one. I don't necessarily have memories of that, but I think that that's a true thing. Maybe when I was very young. Um, Dave Matthews Band, we saw them in 1995. That was uh, on the second row at the old Coliseum. That was pretty cool. Going to see them again in Charlotte next Friday. But the big three for me are, well, one is a local band, Acoustic Syndicate. Uh, Guys from just up the road, we're actually pretty good friends with them now. They played at a thing called Webstock, which was a street festival that we had in my town of Boiling Springs, of which I am the mayor in that wild. Um, But I've seen Acoustic Syndicate a bunch of times. I love their music, just kind of like progressive bluegrass with the little, I don't know, they'll throw some reggae in. Um, Widespread Panic is is the major player in in my live music history. Um, saw my first show in April of 1999 at Charlotte City Fest, and have seen them over 100 times since then, and uh, in all kinds of different places, Red Rocks, the Wiltern Theater in L.A., um, Milwaukee, you know, all around the Southeast, including Oak Mountain, you know, Charleston, Columbia, Asheville, a bunch of times, kind of home, home team is Asheville. But, but anyway, so, so a lot of what I will talk about will be based on being at a widespread panic show. Um, and, you know, fish though is, is, the other one, and, and I'll get back into that just a, in a little more. I mean, you know, part of what I love so much about these bands is are the lyrics. You know, one of the, what is what is it, you know, the, the song More, there must be something more to this. In a world gone mad, um, there must be something more to this. Grateful Dead would sing, you know, in the strangest of places. Once in a while, you can get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right. Widespread would sing, you know, JB sings, time plays a roller coaster in a song called Gradle. Time plays a roller coaster, not afraid to ride itself. It only slows enough to let you on for a ride. Um, Acoustic Syndicate would, would sing, you got to remember this life is not our own. Whatever, just a whole bunch of stuff that hits deep for me. Um, I saw fish in... At Y2K, 
a big cypress down in, in a reservation down in the Everglades. And I mean, it's whatever. You say what you want. It was the greatest rock and roll concert of all time. Um, they played a couple sets then the twelve thirty, and then on New Year's Eve, going into what we all were wondering about what happened with Y two K. Ninety thousand people down there. They played a, a set before, and then started playing at midnight and played all night long. Played all night long until sunrise, and it was just absolutely out of this world in a lot of different ways. But I, I didn't, I haven't been to a fish concert in since then uh, for a bunch of different reasons that took me for a loop. And uh, I just pretty much stopped listening to fish and got into widespread panic. And that became my primary um, show that I would go to. But for whatever reason, once the, once the pandemic hit and we got into the lockdown and I was dealing with some, some personal things myself and I got to, got to know the story of what Trey had been through. Um, Trey Anastasia, the lead singer for, for fish. And I, I guess I bought my car and it came with fish radio on Sirius XM. And I just started listening to 20 years worth of music that I, I had missed out on. And I just had this newfound love for fish and, I mean, really, I listen to them nonstop these days, and and I'm getting ready to get back on the train and and go to a fish show. I'm I'm gonna head up to Deer Creek in just a couple of weeks, and then Sam and I are going up to Long Island for at least one show while we're up in New York, kind of celebrating his 18th birthday. Who knows where else I'll I'll make it. Um, but but what is it that I love so much about? this live music scene you know part of it's the music itself it's it's jazzy it's funky it's melodic it's dissonant there's what we would talk about and sometimes joke about you know there's there's this tension this build-up of tension but then this release where you see every you know thousands of people with their hands in the air there's peaks and valleys of the music there's always a groove though there's always a groove to find usually held down by the drums and the bass line. Um, sometimes difficult, you know, with the dissonant and, and sometimes chaotic music that jazz will bring. But the music itself is just, it's easy to get lost in, in the moment. And I talked about that a little bit um, last episode. Another thing I love about these, this live music scene is the chasing and finding of, of songs. You know, there's something about these bands. I mean, Fish played a 13-night run at Madison Square Garden in 2017. And um, they didn't repeat a song. They played 13 consecutive nights. And they did not repeat a song. Widespread Panic has this pretty long-standing uh, you know, deal where they will go four shows in a row without repeating a song. And so every different show is, you know, every show is different. Uh, and so you can go to a hundred or so concerts and never maybe hear a song or maybe hear a song a bunch of different times, depending on when you hit it. But for me, I was chasing the song called Gradle and a song called Glory. And after 20 years, I finally saw them both in the same show in a place 
in Durham. And man, it was just really phenomenal. So the chasing and finding of these particular songs that you love brings with it an anticipation. And that's, that's part of my love too. Like just the, the, the anticipation as it gets closer and closer to showtime and you and, and the buzz begins, you know, within the crowd and everybody's waiting and then the lights drop and the crowd roars as the band comes on stage. That's amazing. And then the anticipation of the next show, uh, just because it will be different, but so grand. Um, I love the Avett brothers. I mean, I love listening to their music. It means a lot to me. Jason Isbell as well, but you can go to a couple of their shows back to back and you're going to hear pretty much the same set. Um, Not necessarily a bad thing, but not quite the same. I like the fact about these shows that I like to go on solo trips. I'm planning to go to Deer Creek by myself, so to speak, but they never end up solo. My favorite example of that is when I went to Durham. Um, I randomly met these two people, Chris and Kelly, who, I mean, we're like, I mean, it was crazy. It was like immediate best friends. And we text each other still. We see each other at different shows and look forward to it. And it's just amazing how solo trips don't ever really end up solo. Same when I went to Milwaukee by myself. I ended up not necessarily developing long-lasting friendships, but even at the shows themselves, you you meet people and you stand in the same place night after night. I love the individuality of going to these things. Um, You know, we could end up, especially in Asheville, with two or three dozen of us that have have gone to concerts and shows together uh, all these years. And, you know, I love the individuality both of the characters that that these people represent, you know, like everybody's got a different story. We're all coming from different backgrounds, um, you know, whatever. Different social classes in some instances, different races, different religions, different outlooks, different occupations. So there's an individuality for that. But then I guess specifically what I'm talking about is is individual dance moves. And yeah, I can get down. I can get more down. Um, you know, I think about one of my friends, he, he gets that shoulder shrug, you know, he gets the, he gets that feeling with his shoulders, like way up high. One of my friends is the one finger point. He's the one finger point guy. Um, one of my guys just ends up having, you know, his sunglasses on kind of with a slow sway, but, but definitely steady to the groove. Um, I love, anyway, I can just picture a bunch of these different different people. Nobody can dance like uh, my friend Christy and Nora. Like there's, there's nobody that has moves like that. And so everybody just has their own individual style. And I love that about it. I love the recognition that comes along. Um, whether that be like when those first few guitar licks or bass notes hit, like you recognize what the song is. And so there's just this, oh yeah, kind of feeling. You recognize the song and, and you, you exchange glances with each other. Or one of my friends, Gabe, he'll he'll punch you in the ribs if you're not careful because, you know, he knows what's coming and he's so glad um, that he's going to get to hear it and that he's going to get to hear it with you. And that's that's the thing. Like we're those fist pumps and rib punches and eye glances, those things are real. We're there with each other. We're there for each other. We're happy and joyful that we're getting to share, you know, that we that we get that I get to share in the first show. 
when I took Sam down to Wilmington uh, last summer for widespread panic, um, you know, Chris and Kelly were so happy to be there. All the people that was his first show, they were just so excited to, to share in that with them, you know, or, or, or happy to share when there's that meaningful song, whether we're doing the, the bro sway to last straw or, you know, just getting into all our feels with vacation and all that that represents for a widespread panic show, whatever it is, that recognition of each other, recognition of the music of the scene. It's a real thing. And then, and then finally the, the shared memories, it, it's a community. You know, we reflect on the good times, the immediate good times, like after the show's over, we're walking back to the place or whatever. And we're talking about the show that just happened. We, we reflect on the good times of, of the long term of how we've done this for so long. We grieve with one another. We sacrifice for one another. We celebrate. I'll be honest, I've, I've tried other institutions. I've tried other outlets, but in the past 25 years or so, this school of music doesn't have a rival for exhibiting community. Just, I don't mean any disrespect to yours. I'm just saying for me, it's edifying. It's, it's unifying. One of the things about these shows is that typically there are two sets and then an encore. And so we'll, we'll call that set one and that'll take us to set break. I want to tell you last uh, episode, one of the questions I asked was how many free throws did I miss and how many did I make? And I do want to tell you that uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I was the guy that sat on the bench most of the time. I got in with like 1.3 seconds left, you know, so that the other guy didn't get a foul or in garbage time, you know, kind of like, come on, coach, don't put me in for 1.3 seconds, but whatever, you know, one time we were playing this team called West Mech and we were down by one point and our point guard fouled out. And so I got put in the game with, you know, whatever, two point something seconds. And we had to inbound the ball full court. They inbound the ball to me, a couple dribbles. I, I jack it up from half court. And I missed, but I got fouled. Three free throws, y'all. Only down by one point. I'm going to be the hero. All I got to do is hit one to tie it up. Yeah, I missed them all. Whatever. All three. So whatever. Here's here's a couple questions for you for set break. How do you eat your corn on the cob? Do you go side to side like kids these days? They don't even know what a typewriter is, but did you ever go just side to side and you make the typewriter sound when you get to the end? And then, or are you over the top? Like, do you eat your corn on the cob in circles? Like over the top? I can't even imagine what that would be like because I'm definitely a side to side guy. I realize that I'm also a sound effects guy. Last time I I asked about what sound you make when you run into somebody kind of rounding a corner, the whoop and, and, I realized at Chick-fil-A last night that when I was sliding in my MasterCard into the card reader machine there in the drive-thru that I make a sound when I when I put that card in. I make that sound. Um, really, anytime I'm, I'm putting it in. I don't know why I have to do that, why I feel the need that's some kind of dad joke type thing that's in me. But do you make those sounds? Do you have any other good ones? And uh, hey, since we're here and we're talking about music, we'll just lay it out. We'll just put this one on there, put this one on the line. What's the best song of all time? 
Maybe it's your favorite song of all time. Maybe you've got two different answers for best and favorite. Whatever. Let me know. You can let me know at DT underscore madness at Instagram. I'll certainly put those polls up on the stories this week. And I like it when I get to see what you think. All right. So now that'll take us to set two and then we'll finish up with the encore. Um, in set one, I talked about the unity and, and the community that seeing live music brings to me. But in set two, I guess we'll talk about an example of disunity. School board races. Huh. Didn't see that coming. I'm really not a partisan. I'm registered unaffiliated um, for a couple of reasons. But the main one is because I couldn't really affiliate with either of the political parties. And I'll be honest with you all, like one of my fears, which... Next week's episode, episode eight, is going to be about my fears. Likely, that's the subject of next week. Um, but one of my fears is not being liked or, or being misunderstood. I, I guess that's two of my fears. But I've heard uh, interviews with, with, the, with the band members of Widespread Panic talk about how they don't play their music for the crowd. They play their music for themselves. They play the music for the music's sake. And then the crowd responds and they don't, they found that that really works. I mean, the dead lyric says the music plays the band. So I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. And hopefully uh, if you totally disagree, then you'll give me some grace, but we'll see how it goes. But I'm not a partisan. If I had to run for office as mayor, I either wouldn't, or I would just have to take my chances as unaffiliated. I, I won't register as either Republican or Democrat, but, uh, and I think that the move to make school board races partisan has caused so much damage already, even though it's only been a couple of cycles so far. I get the power move. I get it. It makes sense to me politically. Uh, In our state, the Republicans control the state legislature. And so by making, by making the school board races partisan in a lot of our, especially rural counties like mine, um, Republicans dominate two to one. And so they're going to get Republicans on the school board. They have kind of a a feeding ground, so to speak, but, but are able to, I mean, it's, it's smart politically. I do, I get it, but I think it's just not right. Um, Our primary election is this Tuesday, May the 17th. Um, Like I said, since the Republicans dominate the County, then likely the winners from the primary will, will stand a good chance of being elected. One of the benefits of our system is we have an open primary. And so in North Carolina, if you are registered unaffiliated, you can vote in either primary. I will vote in the Republican primary this time, probably just for school board. Um, I'm not sure what other races I would check a box for, for these uh, other candidates. But um, I want to vote for school board in the Republican primary because, like I said, they're going to have a good chance in the fall. I'm working on this theory, you know, uh, I just came up with it the other day about how kind of maybe we're in the neo dark ages and I know the myth of the dark ages and, and where that name came from and how maybe it wasn't so dark, but, but whatever, I'm just talking about the superstition, the taking of selected passages and using those literally, and then going all in. Um, I just think about, uh, Monty Python and the Holy grail and the whole witch scene and, whatever, the, the migrating swallows and all that kind of stuff. It, it makes me wonder if, if we're not in that kind of time now, even though it isn't, a, it isn't for a lack of information. My friend Andy says that it's, we're, we're in a time period that's more like the years before the Great War 
before World War One, and he recommended a book, Bar- Barbara Tuckman's Proud Tower, which I, I got yesterday and, and have started reading. So I guess I'll just have to get back to you on my theory. But it is a strange time where with so much information available, it becomes like it becomes so easy to latch on to even a single phrase. Even when that single phrase is contradictory to the other single phrases that you latch on to, it doesn't really seem to matter. Reason and rationality seem to maybe be so 20th century. I'm not sure. But those single phrases just become rallying cries for entire ideologies. Um, Maybe it's always been that way. Some of our local candidates, as is the case more broadly across the country, are are using false narratives as as campaign slogans and and generating a lot of fervor. One of them uh, that we have is kind of the CTE classes, the the career and technical education, um, things like welding, things like automotive, things like electronics, um, agriculture, um, design. A lot of these things fit into there. I I don't know if I said carpentry, but, but that's in there as well. Versus the college path. And there's a, there's a big move or a big, um, a lot of people want to talk about how college kids go into college and they get into debt and they really can't get a job. But then they, they portray people who, who do apprenticeships and, and, and learn a trade and learn a skill and come out making a whole bunch of money. Okay, I'm fine with all that. That's, I, I just don't know why we got to pit one against the other. It doesn't make sense to me that if you're running for school board, why you would want to pit one against the other. I mean, I understand the politics of it, but if you're, if you're really interested in advancing education, then of course we should recognize both um, passages, pathways. I mean, the next one is, is of course CRT, critical race theory, which probably most people, including myself, probably don't really know fully what is all in involved here but there's this idea i guess that we're that the schools are somehow intent on blaming all the white kids for everybody else's problems um i'm not exactly sure what the explanations for these school board candidates would be if you really pressed them on what they thought was going on in our schools i teach african-american we call it african-american studies i mean um just by watching some of the very, very generic whitewashed PBS documentaries and like the basic history. I I mean, I don't know that maybe they're not denying that there's been racism. Maybe there's this idea that we're, that we're past it and that that was, you know, it's okay to study that thing in the past, but maybe since Brown versus board, everything's been okay. I'm not sure. But there's this idea that somehow we're indoctrinating our kids. Um, one of my colleagues said, if I was able to indoctrinate my kids, then you know, I would indoctrinate them to bring a pencil to class. And that's, uh, but there's this other thing called social-emotional learning and, and now transformative social-emotional learning. And, and some of our candidates are, are steadfast against this, keeping this out of our schools, protecting all of our kids. Because they see this social emotional learning as a Trojan horse in a way, as to, to bring in, to secretly bring in for us to be able to indoctrinate kids with critical race theory, with gender identity issues and things like that. Mm. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll add one more in. This one is the, 
is just bizarre to me as well. But like, there's this, there's all that stuff, which is pretty heady and heavy. But then there's this thing about school nutrition and how our kids aren't getting the nutrition that they should. Maybe they think they should have more Southern delights, you know, or something like that. I mean, these people have been mad since Michelle Obama tried to make the school lunches healthier. So I'm not exactly sure why they use the term nutrition. Most of the kids are walking around all day eating Doritos anyway. Um, but as if that's somehow to blame by the school district, I mean, Adam Sandler made a, a living off of talking about sloppy Joes and lunch ladies. It's not like school lunches used to be really amazing. We had rectangular pizza, which I, I don't even want to think about what was on. What types of ingredients were there anyway? But, but with these things, with these, what I call false narratives, I really believe that they are like, I just want to ask these school board candidates, have you even been in our schools? Have you been like, do you know who the school teachers are? Do you, I mean, I teach social studies. So this is, this is targeted right at us. Do you know us? I mean, I don't know what's going on across the country. I don't know what's going on across the state, but you're running for, for Cleveland County school board. Do you have any idea what you're talking about? Another one that I've seen is getting back to the three R's, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And, oh, man, come on, Mike. That leads me to issues and items that I, I wish our school board candidates would address. And that is literacy. Standard literacy, for sure. We, we need to be able to teach our kids how to read. For sure, I agree with that. And volunteers would be most welcome, starting out at early ages to help our kids. But it's more than just the three R's. This is 2022. Digital literacy, digital literacy with the TikToks and the snaps and the Instagrams and whatever, like whoever knows what's going to come up next. Our kids are spending hours and hours and hours a day can, consuming this type of media. And so we better become fluent in this type of literacy so that we can help them discern, so that we can help them be critical. Um. We, we need to teach our kids soft skills. They need to be able to shake somebody's hand and look somebody in the eye. They need to be able to, to hold a conversation. They need to be able to do an interview. We need parental support. It, it's, it's too often that we don't have it. I'm just going to leave it there. You know, that we just don't have parental support. We need facilities that work. You know, we need um, air conditioning systems that work. We need available classroom space that's adequate for what we're trying to do. Those things are being addressed. We need community partnerships. And honestly, we have a ton of those in our county. I just did this thing with the Senior Scholars Program and so many businesses and organizations donate their money and their time um, to making Cleveland County schools better. So we need to celebrate those ones that we have. We need to seek out and develop new ones. And you know what? We need to figure out ways to battle the negative PR about teachers and what we do, about administrators and what we do. We work hard, man. Celebrate and support that. Because I'll be honest, is the, me the, the messages that you're sending with all these phony campaign slogans is that you don't trust me. You don't think I can do a good job. You don't think I am doing a good job. I mean, dang, even some of y'all are advocating for homeschooling your kids. Well, that's fine. That's all good. I really do respect that and your choice, and that's fine. But if that's your position, 
Like if that's what you think about our school system, then then drop out. Leave the school board to somebody else. Look, I'll make a couple concessions here. I, I don't know how much is too much with social and emotional learning. I don't know what my role is in terms of dealing with some of these kids. I know what some of their backgrounds are. I know that coming out of this pandemic and dealing with the pandemic, I know that their their anxiety levels are through the roof. I know that their ability to to navigate these these times is th- that they're struggling with it. And and those soft skills that that social learning, that emotional learning, those things are real and they are deficient. Knowing how to properly identify and have emotional intelligence and we, we got to do that, but I don't. I don't know how far is too far. I don't know what role the state has in that. What role the public school system has in that? I don't know how far we should go with parenting. We certainly need stronger. I mean, whatever. Um, you know, in general, of course, there are exceptions, but in general, you know, stronger families, people that have support systems at home, they tend to do better. They tend to do better academically. They tend to do better. Socially and emotionally, again, in general, it's definitely a generalization, but it is one. So I don't know how far we should go as the state, as this public school system to help parents, to to equip parents. I don't know. Those are fine debates and discussions to have. At at what ages are, are different subjects appropriate? Certainly parents should have involvement and, and input and their voices should be heard and weighed for sure. It's their tax dollars. It's their kids. Of course, those things should be um, available for discussion. How do we make sure that there's equity for all our kids, whether they're college bound, whether they're career bound? And how do we erase that divide between those two? That's, that's something I'm really becoming passionate about. I really think our college bound kids should, should be taking career and technical education courses and learning those skills and that our career and technical kids should be taking AP classes and learning about the humanities and things like that. We should, we should bridge those gaps anyway. So here's the encore. One of my favorite things about being at at live shows is the energy of the group. The, the, the thousands and thousands of people at large, but, but really I'm just talking about the, the squad that I'm with, whether that's five people, whether that's 25. Because sometimes I'll lose the groove. Sometimes it's it's not the song I was hoping to play. Sometimes I just get distracted, whatever. But I'll look up and I'll see one of my crew and they're feeling it. And that helps me to regain that groove. Sometimes I'm the one leading that charge, consciously or subconsciously. Sometimes though, and often really, all the, you know, what am I saying? Sometimes, really often at these shows, we are all truly sharing in the groove. It's a collective individualism because each person, as I mentioned earlier, is handling their business with their own dance moves. As, as John Bell would say, each dancing different, but with familiar grace. Paul would talk about the body, that we have a whole bunch of different parts, but that we're, but that we're one. That unity, that energy that comes from feeding off of each other, from from picking each other up, from encouraging one another. Robert Persig, the author of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, posits that one of our problems is that we, we become spectators 
We lose care. We lose passion, involvement. We stop participating. He's talking about a lot of things and probably wasn't thinking of local school board races there, but dang, the way of division is just too easy. I've seen how, by how quickly these false narratives get gobbled up without any real consideration or contemplation, without any engagement in the arena of, uh, the arena of ideas, the free market of thought. The etymology of the word school is based off the word leisure because the Greeks, I mean, they would take their leisure time and they would think about stuff and they would want to learn stuff. But we don't do it that way. And in other words, we're not just doing it for the people who have that available time for leisure, perhaps like the upper classes of, of the Greek society would have. We work to educate all of our kids. The traditional public system doesn't turn anyone away. We're dealing with all kinds of different levels and backgrounds, and we are putting in 100% of, of our effort every single day. Sometimes I don't have 100, but I'm picking up off the energy of my colleague. Teaching all the kids, and we should be willing to reach for consensus, willing to entertain and perhaps even yield to ideas that aren't our own. Democracy is fueled by passions. The founding, the founding fathers, the founders were worried about it. They weren't really big fans of democracy. They built a system that protected against those types of factions and, and the passions that come along. It's not overly difficult to see why. But I believe that when democracy is practiced by informed and thoughtful people, and I'm not talking about cheap and empty claims of doing your own research, but when democracy is truly participated in and not just commented on by spectators, it's a phenomenal system. It won't be easy. Each of us will lose the groove plenty of times. We need each other. We're in this thing together. Let's participate. Get out and vote for the candidates that don't settle for the cheap politics, but are serious about true reform and progress. And the ones who are serious about holding the line conservatively because they believe in the value of the institutions and traditions. Let's seek out those people who are serious, that are participating. I'll leave you with the lyrics from a song called Please from Panic. Go and put your work clothes on. Go and leave your mark. Appreciate you sticking with me through 34 minutes. Today, this episode is brought to you by the Church of Six, by the Bucket of Life, by the Foundation Tower of Stone. And by a new sponsor of ours this week, The Magic Rock. Peace, my friends.